back in on Canuck Central. Hour two. And this hour of Canuck Central is brought to you by Brevo. Brevo provides convenient cloud-based access control systems from your mobile device for any industry. Go to lp.brevo.com slash Canada for a smart demonstration. It's Satyar Shah with Israel Fair. And as always, get your thoughts into our Dunbar Lumber Text Inbox 650-650. We are going to be joined by Kevin Woodley uh, coming up in just a few moments. And we'll talk about the Canucks who keep adding to their roster and the all-star festivities are ongoing. The Canucks have six players. Yes, six players at the all-star game. They've been so prolific at the all-stars game that they've actually traded for more all-stars. Uh, and they got Elias <laughs> Lindholm, six of them now. It's, it's pretty remarkable seeing that many Vancouver Canucks at a single event. Yeah, it's cool. It's cool. It must be uh, quite the experience for them. It's, it's so unusual, right? Basically every other team has no more than, Two Toronto has four, but there's you know the two the two stars from Colorado, the two stars from Edmonton. You know, everyone else is pretty much just a, a solo rep. So they they've got this to sort of celebrate the the season that they're having. But heard J T Miller at the avail basically saying like very classic you know fatherly J T Miller saying we've got a long way to go. We're not <laughs> celebrating anything. They're uh, all saying the same thing. Like even in the draft, Bester was asked like a fun loving question by Amber and he got into like, you he know, went right mode. Into, yeah, he went right <laughs> into scrum mode. It was yeah, good. It was pretty funny. Uh, it's Satyar Shah with Israel Fair. Uh, and let's bring in our next ga- guest coming to you on the Dispatch Plumbing, Heating and Air Conditioning Hotline. He is Kevin Woodley. You can read him on Ingold Magazine and, and NHL.com. And he has a presentation of White Rock Hyundai. And he joins us now. What's happening, Woodley? How are you doing today, man? Well, would you believe, Sat, that I'm actually sitting in the back of my wife's White Rock Hyundai. Oh, wow. Be typing and filing my quotes from the Patrick Alvin availability we just had on Zoom. And it was a little harrowing because my daughter drove us to her volleyball practice. So this was, um, <laughs> yeah, but that's this is what I always say, right? It's not just about a stylish car for me. It's about safe vehicles for my kids. So there you go. The shameless plug, because I am literally typing away and talking to you guys from the backseat. It's hilarious. Yeah, he's uh, he's a pro, that Kevin Woodley. <laughs> he's a pro. Uh, and I mean, and speaking of proficiency, uh, I mean, the last general manager we saw in Vancouver pull trades off at this rate was Mike Keenan, right? Like, I don't think any other GM was pulling yeah. off trades at this rate. And it's quite a difference in terms of uh, what those two guys are accomplishing. But it's been it's been absolutely sensational watching a front office in today's dead cap world make as many trades as these guys are making, Woodley. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, we, I mean, there's jokes galore all over. It's This is when Twitter's at its best or X or whatever the hell you want to call it these days. Yeah. Right? Like, the you know, all the other GMs, like, it's hard to make a trade and... Patrick Galvin and Jim Rutherford, you know, here I go. Here's another one, right? Like literally calling his shot on TSN, Jim Rutherford the other day, and then delivering to us hours after talking to us. Like this is, you know, you mentioned the Keenan era, and that was right before I started covering this team. So I am unfamiliar other than by reputation what that was like. This kind of feels, I mean, obviously different for a lot of different reasons, but in terms of the hectic nature of it, like that, Uh, I've covered this team for 23 years. I'm a freelancer. I get busy when the team is relevant or busy. And I was not prepared for how busy I would be this year based on both (laughs) things, right? Like the all-star game, talking to Buble earlier this week for the all-star game, all the players that are in it, now a sixth with Elias Lindholm, all these trades, like they're pretty much half the trades made in the NHL are by the Canucks this year. 
and they're relevant again in terms of how they're playing. Like, as a freelancer, this is a bit of a dream, right? Like, uh, busy, paid more, all of these things are good. This no surprise, though, with the Jim Rutherford playbook. This is uh, what he's been known for uh, long before Vancouver, getting getting his work done early. Uh, do you see the benefits in that? Uh, it's, it's clearly worked for him in the past, and uh, I, I assume that they can only hope that getting Lindholm in over a month before the trade deadline has uh, similar effects. Well, I mean, there's two things here, right? Like, if you identify the guy that you prioritize and you go out and get him, um, one, you're beating everyone else to the punch and making sure that you do indeed get your guy. And if you if the price is high, so be it. Uh, you also get him for an extra month. And I, and I honestly, maybe this is just the goalie in me. And when it comes to trades and goaltending and the deadline, like one of the important things is giving them time to adjust. And often there isn't enough time. But it's a plus to have this guy in here earlier and for longer if you're a team that hopes to make a dent in the playoffs, right? Like that extra month that they're going to have to understand each other, whether it's the personal habits of where they, they go in certain situations on the ice or the preferences system uh, and otherwise of Rick Tockett as a head coach. Like this is all bonus time. The fact they're actually starting on the road, they'll get together at the all-star game this weekend. Uh, although I would have liked to have seen one more trade today at that, uh, uh, god-awful draft that they just had. Um, if they could have just pulled one last trade and, and moved Lindholm over to Team Hughes, yeah. um, they could have gotten in-depth even more. Like, this is all a bonus. They're going to start on the road. Like, we, we hear often about, like, bonding on the road, and a lot of that is cliche, but for this group to get together uh, and have this five-game road trip right after this trade is made, like, there are just so many things that make sense and line up on this one. They, they really do. And in terms of also like their needs, as we've kind of gone through as well, uh, up front have been having a bit more versatility. One of the things that I've been, you know, we've been talking about on this show is before this trade was made, which line did you feel comfortable in in a matchup role? Because as well as JT's played this year, even the team itself was trying to get away from him being in that spot consistently. And you want to get him as good as he is offensively with Besser into also more favorable spots to create. Now you have a guy that can more than hold his own in a matchup role. And I think those types of things are really key come the postseason. Well, especially if, as, as Alvin just hinted to us, and I think most of us expect, and I think Rutherford said it as well in some of his media, probably on 650 even since, since this was all done, um, the expectation is he plays with another guy that you trust in that role in Elias Pettersson. Like having the two of them out there gives you a left shot face-off, a right shot face-off guy. Um, Pedersen, obviously, we know about his 200-foot pedigree. Lindholm, the same. Like, yes, you expect them to, to learn how to play with each other and create offensively as they figure that out. And obviously, they do have a little bit of time together at a World Championships in the past, and that went well on the offensive end. But I'm with you, Sat. Like, if I'm picking between those two to go head-to-head against another team's powerhouse, I'm probably picking the Eliases ahead of JT Miller's line. And, and you know, it's, it's kind of a two-sided bonus one you don't put Miller in that role although hey listen to his credit early in the season he embraced it and there was some success there so you don't maybe panic if you end up on it on the road but certainly if you get to choose I think you're choosing the other one and as you said freeing up Miller and Besser as a pairing to not just focus on offense because the reality is what's made this team good this season is the priority is always your own end first but maybe freeing them up matchup-wise to have a little more success at the offensive end of the ring. When you get questions about environment, Woodley, they're, they're usually about uh, goaltending and the context of goaltending, but uh, it, it seems like the, the environment offensively, defensively, 
in Calgary the last year and a half has had a bit of a drain on, on Elias Lindholm. Do, do you see that? Do you think that there is something to be said for uh, the way that the Flames have played this year being a, a big reason or at least the driving force as to why his production has dropped quite a bit since the, the highs of uh, the year he played with, with Kachuk and Gaudreau? Well, I mean, as much as I – like, I have two lines, right? Like, goaltending never is, exists in a vacuum, which speaks to the environment. And the other one is I don't like to talk out of my ass, Izzy. And I haven't watched enough Calgary Flames hockey to say for sure. But I will say that when he was producing on what was one of the best lines, if not the best line in hockey that season with Gaudreau and Kachuk, that was – you know, correct me if I'm wrong. Like, Daryl Sutter was still the coach, no? Uh, yes, yes. Right? Like, so there was a defensive responsibility to that. And I think that's what you like. Like, that DNA has been part of it's in his DNA. It's part of his game. Um, and so, uh, to me, the drought offensively this year is probably just more about um, who he's playing with. I haven't looked into what the responsibilities were. Was he playing a shutdown role? Was he given more defensive zone draws and more of those types of minutes? Possibly. But I thought when he was on that dynamic offensive line, they also didn't give anything up defensively. Like the abil- so the ability to blend the two, which is what Tockett wants, what Tockett demands, um, and what Daryl Sutter would have demanded, that, yeah, you can do whatever, like in the offensive zone, go for it. Well, other than cross-ice stuff at the blue line that turns into odd man rushes the other way, but this is how we play defensively. This is how we, this is the side of the puck we're on in this situation and that situation. And so his ability to blend the two as Alvin, you know, just reiterated several, several times in his availability with us, like these are all positives. And again, they fit what's going on here, mm-hmm. right? This isn't just a quote unquote top six player. Cause we need a quote unquote top six player. This is a guy who fits very specific needs, who they have some familiarity with who they're scouting based on what the coach and the way they play demands has di- has sort of deemed a good fit. Like you expect this to work because it's not just what he's capable of. It's specifically how he does it. And they see it being a fit here. And that's why I think you've seen so many more hits than misses with the signings of this team. And, and the other point that I, you know, I, cause I think we've talked a lot about this in the last little while, like, so many of these guys have hit, and yeah, some of that's familiarity, but some of it is just understanding what you need from them and plugging them into roles that they're fit or suited to play. But the flip side of that is when there's been a miss, they've moved on pretty quick. Yeah, And that includes now, and I don't even think he's a miss. That's not fair to him. Um, but Andre Kuzmenko, he wasn't a fit to, to, to what Rick Tockett needed and demanded. As much as he was before Tockett arrived, they had signed him to the contract four days before making that coaching change, and they took an advantage of an opportunity to move on from it, right, and free up that cap space next year. So it's not just bringing in guys that fit what they're doing here. It's recognizing and being willing to admit perhaps mistakes on some of the other guys. And one of the things that I, you know, I'm not sure we've talked about enough, and I honestly think, like, I feel like I, sh- I wish I had gone to Andre and asked him about this myself. As bad as things sort of ended here, he was on, I think, 11 or 12 points in the first 14 games until he got hit in the face by the J.T. Miller slap shot. And working in and around the front of the net on the power at play as well as off the flank as they rotated through those positions. And so, you know, beyond 
not shooting 27%, which we knew wasn't sustainable, beyond maybe some of the grind and chip off the wall stuff that, that you know, he didn't do as steadily as Tuckett would have liked. You know, I think maybe we overlooked or forgot about the fact that there was a trauma effect to taking a puck flush off the face off, off a slap yeah. shot and that his game, you know, at least statistically wasn't bad up until that point. Like it was close to point a game and it sort of fell off a cliff after that. No, you, I think that's a great observation about how that all unfolded, but it became just so increasingly clear that it wasn't going to work here. So even getting that right. money off the books for next year, like you said, hey, at the very least, no matter what happens with Lindholm, you got money off the books next season. And, you know, what you mentioned, too, in terms of the types of players they go after, the roles they assign to them, how they're trying to play as a team. You know, dare we say this organization is not only stable, but really creating a program of sustainability with how they envision the team, how they put it together, what they're doing in atmosphere with the team. Like, uh, you know, could we truly be on the verge of, of them really building something? And I'm not saying a dynasty or anything here, Woodley, but in terms of like having a sustainable big picture outlook on your organization, day-to-day operations and building a real foundation as well through your atmosphere farm team. You mean having a cohesive plan? Yes. Yes. That's the word. <laughs> like, like, no, but like, and then like I, I joke, like it's, top to bottom right like and um because all these plaudits that we're throwing at pro scouting right now it's mostly if not entirely the same people that were here under the previous management and so you know i think that speaks to the importance of that direction uh what you know and, and the roles that they've added people to it in terms of overseeing it and making sure that communication from top to bottom is consistent uh, and coherent. Uh, the other part I thought that, that sort of slipped through because of, there was so much news yesterday, but that jumped out to me uh, from Patrick Alvin, and obviously it's something I've seen observationally, was, you know, the Canucks, everybody, they finished the game on Saturday, everybody goes and has a little break and goes to the All-Star game. Daniel and Hendrick Sedin go straight to the American Oculus. And Alvin talked about the continuity that comes with having Daniel and Henrik, I think the word he used was bridge between the two coaching staff so that everybody down there knows exactly what to expect if and when they arrive up at the National Hockey League level. And so just the cohesion from top to bottom, um, you know, again, even in pro scouting, not changing the people doing it, but maybe giving them more cohesive direction so everybody's on the same page. Like it's, it's just, you know, you know, I talk about writing and, and, and sort of being busy as a freelance writer in this market. Like I wasn't. And because this team was so bad for so long. And I think the things we're talking about right now give you hope that this isn't just a one year blip, even if the personnel changes and it has to, that's the nature of the salary cap. Mm -hmm. And maybe it's even an extreme change depending on what Elias Pettersson decides. But even in that case, worst case scenario, don't you think they have a plan B for it? Like there's, there's more forward thinking and more cohesion in those plans than we've seen here in a long time. And so it, it gives me hope as a writer that I will continue to be busy for the foreseeable future, whether it's because trades or because this team continues to be maybe not at the top of the NHL, but at least relevant in the NHL, which frankly they hadn't been. And I can tell you that just based on how many stories I wrote and how much I made in the past, for, you know, for almost 10 years. Well, I think it would be a pretty big shock if 
Uh, there's at least not one more trade, maybe two more trades between now and March 8th. And Sat and I have been battening, battening around the last couple of days. Uh, it, it, it'd be hard for them to top the Lindholm move. But when you look at what's left and as they try to improve maybe the margins of the roster, do you look at a forward? Do you look at the defense and, hey, do they need another right shot at that position? What, what, is, what part of the roster do you think, and it doesn't have to be a high-end move, they've already made that one, uh, should be next on their list? I think, you know, not to defer to only what they said, but in a certain light, you do have to sort of see how this shakes down now. Right, like the level of competition is about to ramp up. We all know the league gets harder at this time of year. They've also got a tougher schedule down the stretch here. Some more top ten teams uh, coming up than they've had in, in in the last little while to face off against. Um, so you kind like how does Lindholm fit? What does the penalty kill look like now that he's a part of it? Does he work on the number one power play unit? Um, is that a, a, an easy transition for him? Are him and Pedersen? You know, does McKayev work on the right side of that line? So I, I think the answers to those questions might dictate just how much more you need to do or not, because there's so much depth here right now that you'd be comfortable with, like you have options to move things around and it's not until you sort of see how things look with those those chairs reorganized in multiple different fashions over the coming weeks and see what the results are before you necessarily have an answer. Like, um, do you want to go into the playoffs with Nils Amon as your fourth-line center, or is that a place you might upgrade experience-wise? Maybe, we, maybe that's a question that gets asked. Um, in terms of depth on defense, like, does Carson Soucy come back? And, like, I think when he's been healthy, he's, you know, there's a reason they've had spikes in their defensive metrics um, in a good direction when he's in the lineup, both on the penalty kill and against the rush. Uh, so if he comes back, is he completely healthy, and will he be going into the playoffs? There, there's so much that changes. That's the thing about getting this business done so soon. You've got now a full five weeks to see what changes between now and then, and I think that will answer what you need, if anything, heading into the postseason. No, absolutely. And, and, and in, in terms of needs now, right, you mentioned maybe you can upgrade on, um, you know, Niels Oman or a forward that moves Suter back down. And you have some options here. And I think the beauty of the way they've constructed this team and what they could do, I mean, you could use, you can get a left winger that maybe can play with, um, that, that can, that's an up and down skater that can forecheck, bring some speed, some physicality, that can play with JT and, and Besser potentially. You can maybe add a shooter that can maybe play with uh, Lindholm on the left wing with Pedersen. Or you can add somebody that can do a bit of a, something different down the middle for you even to give you even added depth. As far as the back end is concerned, do you think it's important to have another righty so they have the option to have somebody maybe better than Juleson so you don't have to have a lefty play his right side in a tough playoff matchup? Yeah, I mean, in a perfect world, but we don't live in a perfect world, right? And mm-hmm. righty, righty defensemen that are upgrades on what Noel Juleson is. Upgrades in name brand, maybe, but upgrades in what Noel Juleson has given you to this point, like, those aren't easy finds, right? So, um, again, I, I, you know, like, and, and I think that, you, like, are you taking, if you get all your lefties back, we saw Ian Cole move over to the right side. You're not taking Ian Cole out of this lineup. No. So is it more about, having him play the right side and making sure he's comfortable on that side. If say Susie's back with a month and a half to go and he gets an opportunity to get a good five, six weeks back on the right side, something he's done before. Again, what's available on the market. Are they going to be an upgrade on Incole on the right side? 
because you're not taking him out of the lineup if you upgrade the right side and you've got all your lefties back. Like So, again, I don't pretend to have all the answers, but the, for the first time in a long time, I have confidence that they do or will come up with them depending on what happens. And it's based not just on what management wants, but as we keep hearing, how Rick Tockett in conversations with and, and, and working together on a plan with management sees those puzzle pieces as we keep hearing he's a puzzle guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and as an old man myself now who spends leisure time doing puzzles with his kids, I'm all over that. But we're, let's, for the first time, we have confidence that however they choose to sort of fit those pieces together, like I, I find myself have a hard time saying, yeah, you, I could have done that better. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. So I don't have the answers because I don't know that we know the questions yet. Mm-hmm. I'm just more confident than ever that when those questions arise, there's a plan on how to address them. Um, and certainly more so than we've seen here in a while. Yeah, it certainly has. Uh, it's it's interesting to watch a front office and, and feel like, hey, these guys know what they're doing. It's been a change <laughs> over what's happened here in the past. But hey, uh, Woodley, great stuff as always, man. We appreciate your time. Uh, enjoy the next few days, and uh, we look forward to chatting with you again next week, breaking down real game action yet again, and also seeing how Lindholm fits in. Yeah, no, excited. Um, I'd love to pretend Lydie and tell you I was going to watch the All-Star game to see how they all do <laughs> together, but... Uh, my weekend is full of uh, my daughter's volleyball. So I'm going to enjoy that, and I'll catch you guys on the other side as the, as the games that matter come back. Uh, I love it. Thanks, Kevin. Thanks, Woodley. All the best, guys. Uh, that is Kevin Woodley on Sportsnet 650, and he's brought to you by White Rock Hyundai. Visit the showroom on King George and White Rock or whiterockhyundai.com. Uh, it's Satyar Shaw with your Zero Fear, and you heard Kevin Woodley come in on the Dispatch Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning Hotline. The first call... The only call. We have a lot of reaction on our text inbox, 650-650. This one says, Woodley is amazing. We know. Fantastic. So many questions. We are going to get to a ton of your questions for overrated, underrated. That's coming up next segment. Um, and I see just overall excitement from people on the text inbox. Like this one here. I won't read the whole thing. It's, it's a well-thought-out text, but essentially says, "It's this is great news for the first time in years. I've been a Canucks fan. I've I, I always heard the other team go out and take a big swing on players during the year or the trade deadline, and the Canucks would stand still or just work around the edges and say we're in on things but the prices were too high or we didn't have the assets or we couldn't pull the trigger this is a team that gets stuff done essentially and it is it is a change and and this is the thing i I appreciate about the front office and they are going to make trades that in a few years and decisions will look back at and say that was a wrong that was a wrong decision or it didn't work out for you or this contract aged poorly people are doing that with jim rutherford and pittsburgh yes you know what else they're doing they're talking about the two stanley cups they won exactly and hey there's a cost to winning if you are not on the verge of winning and you're spending it's not going to end well but when you're at a point where you have a real chance it's worth the cost because you come away with a victory. It doesn't matter. Like you can win once. If you win one Stanley Cup, it does not matter what mm-hmm. the cap looks like in five years. Like, nobody cares. And nobody each cares. trade is not equivalent, right? No. You can't compare one trade to the other. The context is really important. And there, you're not. No one is going to win every trade. So far, it hasn't just been trades, but they've made a number of them. Their acquisitions have aged pretty darn well. The only one that people are quibbling with now is signing Kuzmenko to the extension. But that one is so strange because they get the guy that every team wanted or a lot of teams wanted for that one year. Like the the the, the context there was understood. Mm-hmm. This guy is signing a one-year deal. It's for cheap money. Let's see how it goes. He goes on. He scores nearly 40 goals. 
and then you're put in a tough spot. Are you? Do you feel like you have to trade that guy? You're not going to let him walk, so they give him an extension, but not for a bunch of years. It's just a two-year deal, and now they've already been able to get out of that once it was very clear that here with the new coach in town, it wasn't going to work out that way. So if, if everyone could, if, if there was a GM out there that was going to win every trade, uh, they would win all the time. Yeah, 100%. And they're not afraid of being wrong, and they're not afraid of maybe paying the price to get a deal done. And so far, created lots of excitement and enthusiasm within the fan base. We'll get to overrated, underrated. That is coming up next on Canuck Central. But first, the iconic Coors Light Chill Train is heading to Las Vegas for the big game. And it just made a stop in Vancouver, leaving behind a trail of epic prizes. On February 1st and 2nd, from 8 a.m. to 7 p.m., look for its frozen tracks at Robson Square for a chance to win instant prizes that deliver big game day chill or the ultimate grand prize, a trip to next year's big game event. Learn more at CoorsLight.ca slash the chill train. More coming up on Sportsnet 650. Final segment of the show, Canuck Central. And this hour of Canuck Central is brought to you by Brevo. Brevo provides convenient cloud-based access control systems from your mobile device for any industry. Go to lp.brevo.com slash Canada for a smart demonstration. It's Satyar Shah with Israel Fair on Sportsnet 650. We have Fast Eddie Gregory producing the show. Let's just get to it. It's time for Overrated, Underrated. You guys send in the submissions, and we give the answers. Dan Riccio is gone this week. Izzy's been filling in uh, very well, I might add. Oh, thank you. He's done a terrific job. We've had a lot of fun. Met the height requirements. He did. He did. He, he exceeded them, I would say, yes. comfortably. Yeah, comfortably. I, I, can, uh, I can get on this ride. <laughs> <laughs> You're yay high. All right. Uh, yeah, so... I know there's a Dan Riccio-related question as well, so we'll get to those. But Dan Riccio, I saw him post uh, on Twitter today, overrated, underrated, giving an, a uh, trade update, take, take update, with your sunglasses, sun hat on from the beachy uh, beachside remote, or the sunny beachside remote he was at. I, I got to say, overrated in the sense that I wasn't thinking, I, I wasn't listening to what he was saying about the trade. I was just wondering how many drinks he had the night before. Yeah, I, I would say with over, the, with but the sunglasses, he, those are big boy sunglasses. Yeah, but I mean, and the bucket hat, big boy sunglasses. I wasn't listening to a single word he said. No, I know. That just, sounds like something you would wear if you're trying to hide from the sun and a little bit too much inebriation. He he looked like Baker Mayfield after he was let go by the Tampa Bay. Buc- <laughs> <laughs> uh, sorry, uh, by the Carolina Panthers, incognito until he got another chance. Uh, but uh, you know, he's also a lightweight. So I don't think the over-under was very high on it. Okay. You know? yeah. I don't think it takes a lot for him to be buckled the next day. <laughs> <laughs> All right. To get things started from Hussein, overrated, underrated, adding Jordan Greenway to the Spora group, and what would it cost? Oof. Okay. So in terms of player profile, forget the salary. Like, yeah, up and down winger with some size, some yeah. skill, some yeah. pace. Like, he could give you kind of what you need. Like, I don't know what the cost is, but do you even want to take that on considering it's $3 million this year and beyond? Yeah, the, the, number is, the number is tough. It's kind of uncomfortable, isn't it? Yeah, so I guess, uh, I guess overrated by, by that virtue. Player profile-wise, underrated, you know, fit, and also $3 million on your cap next season, overrated. Yeah. And he went for two draft picks a year ago, yeah. including a second. Yeah, so it's not going to be – I'm sure they're not trying to give him away for cheap. No. This one from Dan, overrated, underrated, 
adding a scoring winger versus adding Tanev slash defenseman or versus adding toughness? Ooh. Uh, so basically, uh, toughness, is that less, more or less overrated or underrated? I think the point the texture is making is that uh, overrated to do the defense thing, but underrated to add some toughness. I think I'd flip it for myself. Yeah. I think it's pretty con- – it'll be convenient if – like, if the Canucks lose in the playoffs, it's going to be because they get scorched by McDavid or someone of that ilk. I don't think it's going to be because they don't have quite enough juice. So I- I'd rather have the D-man that we were talking about that doesn't – you know, is not going to be – unless it's Tanev, that-, that changes the game a little bit, but – isn't going to be matched up with the McDavid line or pick, pick, which, you know, the the top guys on Vegas all the time, but that can take that on if, well, if it's, you know, a game in Edmonton and and the Canucks don't have the change and you have a a veteran D man that ends up in that spot where that, that can, that can get ugly for, for a lot of people. I I agree. Now I I think actually the texture is making the point of adding toughness is overrated. I don't disagree with that. I mean, I agree that you need toughness and I I would love to get a tough guy, but I mean, are you looking for a guy, a tough player who can play for you actually, or a tough player that's like Ryan Reeves, right? And if it's Ryan Reeves type, it's like, no, he's not going to play, right? Like that's a bigger issue. A Greenway type with a better contract. Sure. You know, but I do think I wouldn't say no. I I still think that if you if you were able to add Tanev in a perfect world for you to have the option now and you have seven D, let's say you actually keep your guys like to me, that's just your your defense takes another step if you're adding him. Like, I don't think it's overrated adding to adding Tanev. No. At what expense if you're adding toughness? Who's moving out? Well, so if you're moving Oman out to bring a tough guy in. Because yeah. you live with that, and then Suter goes Suter back down to center. play center yeah. in that role. I think you can live with that, right? Or on the defense on the right side somewhere. See, that's the thing. Because if you're adding somebody, you have to lose somebody. And Zadorov's name comes up, and I know they made it seem like he's not going to get moved, and maybe he does. So someone texted in uh, asking about Zach Bogosian, for example. I like Zach Bogosian. I'd be on board if they could find a way to make that fit. Yeah, if he's like, you know what? Like he's, I'm not sure he's better than Jules Sindel, to be honest. He has more pedigree, but I'm not he's sure he's a better a lot player. Of experience. He's yeah. experienced, but it's a layer of depth. I wouldn't be against it. I but take Bogosian as a seven over Juleson. Nothing against Juleson. I just like the proven track record. Yeah, I mean, Bogosian. that's fair. I just don't think. I think that we're talking about the same same tier of impact. Yeah, but you can prefer one over the other. But I take it in terms of having the like having the. I like to have both. Yeah, I mean, hey, you're upgrading on Mark Friedman. Would I would I rather have yeah. rather have Friedman or Bogosian? I'd rather have Bogosian. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If and when injuries pile up on the right side of the Canucks defense. From Discount Dracula, overrated, underrated, the day that Patrick Alvin had yesterday. Oh, man, that's about as underrated as it gets, right? (laughs) Right? I mean, you get a contract extension. What a flex! And then you make a trade right afterwards? This is why you guys pay me. You think he did that because uh, he didn't like the interview we did with him? And he was like, those guys, those dopes that I just talked to on the radio. I'm going to make their life hell for the next two hours because this trade is just going to trickle out (laughs) where we have to try to figure out on the fly what is happening as all the insiders who are all in Toronto for the All-Star game are giving little bits and pieces. I'm sure he was just like, those those guys asked me dumb questions and I'm getting them now. I'm going to get them back. So I'm I'm sure he took a lot of glee in that for us sitting there for like 70 minutes yesterday. (laughs) You know, filibustering essentially is the way you put it to me off off air. And and trying to like be as accurate as possible, you know, and and be on top of it the best you could. 
Uh, it was quite the trip. It was a lot of fun, though. I will. There say. was a lot of information flying. There and there are a lot of especially in, in, like you know what's you know what's uh, uh, overrated or I guess underrated. I would say having the amount of time you have to spend making sure that you're not falling for something that's fake. Double, triple checking. Well, during you know. this, there was a fake account going that the Canucks had acquired Joel Erickson. Yeah, X. that was Austin and Langley. He always texts in. He's the guy yeah. behind it. I, I saw the tweet, and I was like, oh. And I'm like, wait, that can't be right. And I'm like, oh, yeah, it's, it's Austin and Langley. He's just trolling everybody. So you got to be careful. So the last thing I wanted to do was you know, say something wrong. Same with you. Because right? I, fr- I saw the Fridge update on my phone. And I like double-checked it. Showed it to you. I like touched the, the screen radio, to make sure it's not a like, photo. Okay, I'm like, Can I here we go. This? Yeah, yeah. this is actually real. Yeah, a lot of fun. From Viking Canuck, overrated, underrated. The Canucks D Corp as currently constructed. Ooh, so I mean, man, is it rated? Because because I think I, you know what you know no no you know I would say underrated. I see Mike text in and he's like they need two top four defense from their short. Ideally, yes, right. But if you start looking at the Canucks defense in comparison to the rest of the league, so the last few years they were like in the bottom tier. Easily, yeah. You know, they're in the top half of the league now. Top, bottom 10. You know, sure. Yeah, they were. Now they're in the top half of the league. And if you start going through defenses, like you can make the argument for them maybe being as high as 8, maybe somewhere in the 12 range. I think that's kind of the range there, anywhere from like 13 to like 8, if you want to be really you know, um, optimistic about what they have on the blue line. So I agree. Ideally, you'd like to have more. But the issue is... Not many de- defenses around the league have t- four bona fide top four defensemen. And then they have like a third pair that's like above average. Like it just doesn't exist. The Canucks having essentially three number fives is actually a lot better than most a lot of teams have. And then having the high end of Hughes and Heronic. So I do think overall the Canucks defense is, is underrated a little bit, especially with all the talk we have about can you add Tana for whatever it is. But like you add a righty. <laughs> or you make that flip a little bit and add a top four righty on this defense, then you're talking about a top five defense in the league. So I think that's where that discussion comes in, where you're trying to tweak it to make it literally one of the best in the league, whereas now it's kind of maybe in that second tier below the topper and, you know, the the very best defenses in in the NHL. And right now it's a bit tough to evaluate because of the Susie injury. Yeah. Again, I would, if if I had to rank Susie, Myers, and Zadorov, I would have Susie at the top there. Even with Myers being a righty, which is is a wrinkle and yeah. is part of his value, but from what we've seen from Susie, has been, you know, is he a guy that's going to be dominant on a second pair? Maybe not, but the results have been on you know, getting second pair matchups and minutes. They've been really good, mm-hmm. so that that changes the dynamic. And then, if to your point, Sat, you add a guy like Tanev. And it, you know, Susie Tanev, for example, then you start to feel really, really good about that group. Yeah, no, you really do. This is from Robert. Overrated, underrated. Zadorov stabilizes the back end. So, I, I, so I, I think the whole notion that he stabilizes things is overrated because I don't think he's a stabilizing type of player. I think he's a very toolsy player that's very valuable with the physicality he can provide, the skating he can provide. He has some offensive skills, moves the puck decently. But he's not a stabilizing force in terms of overall play. That's why I don't think he's a guy that you can that you should sign to a long-term deal at big money. Because I don't think he's a, he's a bona fide top four defenseman. But he's like good. He's really good. He does a lot of things really well, mm-hmm. and he has a lot of traits that are very positive. I just think not to say you have to shelter him. You have to be very careful to what you expose him to. 
I don't think you have to shelter him, but you can't lean on him as heavily. And I think because there are some flaws in his game. So I think the notion that he stabilizes things defensively is overrated. But I do think that he's still a net positive player to have. And the physicality alone and size alone is a big asset. Yeah, I mean, I would put him in a category similar to Garland, similar to Besser, in that these are guys that can have a big impact on the team as constructed right now. But if you're looking longer term, it's not like, hey, Zadorov's the final piece to a great blue line. And that's not denigrating any of the things that he brings to the table. It's just that the question to me, as I was saying earlier in the show, when we were talking about D prospects or just defensemen in general. Are you a legitimate top four guy? Where the, no, no questions asked, top four guy. And mm-hmm. He's not uh, at, at this point in his career and, and probably unlikely to be. From Mustard Sport, fans panicking about re-signing players even though we are a premium market and location being on the West Coast. Brackets many seem to forget that Patrick Alvin says lots of players slash Asians reached out to us to come here in the summer, but we had limited cap. I do think the consternation over whether players want to re-sign or not is almost like an existential crisis Canucks fans have when it comes to like, do people want to, do you love me? Do you not love me? Like, you love me not? Like, it's really that. And it and I, it goes back to Burry. You think this fan base has some wild swings, some extremes in there? Maybe slightly. <laughs> Maybe. And, I, and honestly, I think it goes back all the way to Burry. Yeah, it's a good shout. You know, I think it goes back to that, that there's there's been some, there's been this like, kind of simmering insecurity when it comes to whether the best players want to be here or not. Yeah, because that was, like, just found money, right? You get a bona fide superstar, probably the the most electric player that's ever played in the city. Yeah. Maybe the most electric athlete that's ever been in the city. And everything's good, and they they go on the cup run, and then it's like, I don't really want to be here. And uh, if if we've learned anything about Canucks fans, it it takes a while. It's not necessarily a fan base that bounces back super quickly. We wear wear this stuff. And there's even a little Steve Francis effect in there, too, considering that trade came not too long after the Beret deal did. Great point. And years of NBA players saying, nah, we're good. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So so I I see where it comes from. Uh, so maybe it's somewhat underrated. No, I think it's overrated. The concern is overrated. I think, generally speaking. Yes. You know, the well, same thing. Remember Luongo? Oh, he doesn't want to stay here. And his wife wants out. His right. wife wants out. I mean, eventually he did want out. But yeah. but there were <laughs> some, there was the some legitimate hockey factors <laughs> that played into that yes. one, though. It wasn't all the market. This is the big one you were hinting at earlier. From Justin and East Fam, overrated, underrated, covering a Canucks trade while Dan Riccio is on vacation. <laughs> it's underrated because I know how chafed he is. <laughs> so I think that's underrated about about it. I saw him in, on the, on Twitter going back at some people that were happy he wasn't on the show. Oh, I felt bad. I'm like, oh, come on, man. No, I mean, you know, Reach is fantastic. He's great. But I love Reach. I, I love Reach too. I mean, he's he's fantastic, and you know, it'd be great to have his insight, of course. But it's funny because we joked about this. I mean, we did get his insight from his video. We just yeah. weren't paying attention because we were we were taken we're by t- the scenery and and his and his costuming. Yeah, the presentation was 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 too convincing. But I mean, that's the thing. Like, we knew we joked about this. And and I I mean I'm I'm off tomorrow I'm not going to be here it's going to be uh, Izzy and uh, Israel I mean Israel Fair and uh, Josh Elliott Wolf mm-hmm, on the show mm-hmm. so I'm taking one day and I'm like they're not going to make a trade on Friday but I'm like I was worried about okay they could make a trade this week so I'll be I want to be around and Reach kind of knew kind of knew so it's kind of funny that it happened <laughs> this one's getting spicier by the week overrated underrated from Pope Tobias Vancouver's chances at beating the Oilers in the playoffs Ooh. oh boy. What do you think? 
Oh man, my gut reaction is is overrated as hard as that is the stomach. Yeah, I mean, so man, they're such an animal. They're such a like they're such beasts. And I think when you get McDavid and Drysaddle going at the same time, but I do think the goaltending Vancouver has, and we've seen them get stymied. Like I, I do think they have maybe a slightly underrated chance because I think everyone's going to pick Edmonton against Vancouver come playoff time. Yeah, not, not people in this market, maybe you know fans or whatever will, but I think like it'll be like, oh, you know, look at the run they've been in, on. I mean, unless Lindholm comes in and it's just incredible from the jump, and it's uh, hey, yeah. they've got two lines that are even with McDavid and Drysaddle not playing together, the Canucks would then have two lines that are really, really good, and then you can start talking about the matchups. So to me, something that you were talking about earlier in the show and uh, resetting the roster and getting it a little bit more matchup proof for the playoffs. We haven't seen a lot of playoff hockey uh, in the NHL level here in Vancouver in a long time. Those matchups are so big. Yeah. And the last time where they were playing home playoff games was that series against Calgary, the infamous series where uh, Willie Desjardins, by all accounts, got completely outcoached. You have to feel a lot better with some of those tweaks that we anticipate the Canucks making, being a little bit more matchup proof. But like that, that's going to be huge. Yeah. And you, I, I think Rick Tockett has done a lot for himself uh, t- to be in a position where people are, are pretty comfortable saying, hey, that guy has the potential to outcoach someone uh, in a playoff series. I think that. I think the, the, the Canucks have more depth up front. Uh, defenses you can talk about a little bit, but I do think you know Quinn Hughes is still the best defenseman in the series and the best goaltender, even though they have the two best forwards. And we've seen times when McDavid and Dreisaitl have dominated, yet you know, the rest of the group hasn't helped them cross over the line. I, you say overrated, I say underrated. Let's do a couple Be- more quick, before we get out. Quickly yeah. on that one. Yeah. Better system right now between the two teams because both teams can defend right now. Mm, I think they're very comparable. Yeah. It's hard. Like, Edmonton's playing really well. They are. They're playing really well defensively. From Austin and Langley, this year's rental market. Uh, overrated. Yeah, totally overrated. It's not a well, good rental especially market. Especially now. Well, now <laughs> it's completely. It was overrated to begin with, and the Canucks got the, you know, one of, if not the best piece available. Yeah. All right. Going to change things up a little bit to end things off. All right. From Brad and Blue Sky, the McRib. I haven't had it yet. I, I, I like the McRib, but I haven't had it in like, what, 15, 16 years or something? I've seen the ad in here about 59 times since we started doing the show. So I, I got I got to say overrated just, just, just on, by, on that. Yeah. Are you going to try it? No. No. <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> He's like, no. My stomach can, uh, yeah, I, I had a burrito today that, oh, that's that already, I'm still feeling. That's so already I, I think the McRib would be, yeah, that would be a little dangerous. That's a bad combo for you. <laughs> And we'll end on Chef Swagger's Cinnamon Toast Crunch Cereal. Uh, underrated. I'm yeah, a big fan there you of go. Love it. Cinnamon Toast Crunch Cereal. Comfort food. Yeah, very tasty. Very tasty. I haven't had it in a long time, but it was always one of my go-tos. Absolutely. Good guilty pleasure. Yeah, fa- fantastic one. All right. Thanks for all the questions, all the submissions, uh, everybody listening, interacting as well. If we didn't get to yours, apologies. Hopefully we get more of yours uh, coming up a bit later on. And next time we do overrated, un- underrated. Uh, fantastic stuff. It's been a lot of fun. We had a lot of fun yesterday. Went overtime because the Canucks made a trade late. They have good good reason to. Good reason to go overtime. And we'll see if something else happens over the next few hours. But Izzy will be here tomorrow with Josh Elliott Wolf. And make sure to check out all the great stuff on The Athletic. You guys uh, have, have had quite the couple 24 hours on Canucks coverage. Yeah, I think I can tease uh, supposed to be uh, another Lindholm-related story coming in the next, uh, probably by tomorrow morning. So uh, check that out. Can't wait. Excited for it. All right. Thanks to everybody listening and participating. Uh, we can't do this without, without you, so we appreciate it very much. For Fast Eddie Gregory, I'm Satyar Shaw. This has been Canucks Central on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650.